Blog Talk Radio. It's Film Festival Radio, the show where superstars and future stars happily coexist together. And now, here's your host, Janice Malone. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Film Festival Radio Show with me, Janice Malone, here. Thank you for tuning in, as always. Look forward to hanging out with you guys every Saturday. We have a lot of fun here with our fun guests. They're just Some of our guests are just, just zany, but talented. So, okay, okay. I have been anxious for today because, oh, geez. We all saw the debates earlier this week. Yeah. Anyway, I can't wait for tonight. Saturday Night Live, I cannot wait to see what Saturday Night Live has to say and think and do about the debates. You know it's going to be wild, wacky, and crazy, so, yeah. Well, anyway, let's get on to our auditions. We have a couple of auditions for you before we begin uh, with our guest here, so grab a pen and paper or pencil or chalk or whatever you need and write down the email addresses and websites here. And if you don't have a pen and paper, maybe you're driving or something, you can always email us, info at filmfestivalradio.com, and I'll be more than happy to send you whatever you need um, to know about these auditions. Okay, let's go. Starting with audition number one, HBO Max is having, uh, they need people. They're looking for talented dog groomers. They're having a brand new dog makeover reality show. Yeah, how much fun. Yeah, I I love that. I can't be around dogs because I have allergies, but I think this is a really cool show. So the producers are looking for the most talented dog groomers all over the nation. This is a nationwide search, and this will be a series that, again, will do dog makeovers. Yeah, why not? The title of the show is really cute. It's called Hot Dog, and that's spelled H-A-U-T-E, dog. And it's described as the world's most adorable dog grooming show. So what's going to happen is that each episode, uh, they will have three dog groomers, and they will be competing in these very creative dog grooming contests competing for the title of best in show as far as dog grooming. And also they can win, the winner will get $10,000, a $10,000 prize there. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Again, uh, they will have two fabulous judges, uh, celebrity dog stylist, Josh, no, I'm wrong, Jess Rona. Jess Rona will be a part of the show and comedian Matt Rogers will serve as the host. And They're going to be working on canines of all breeds, just all breeds of dogs will be showcased. And again, the title of it is Hot, H-A-U-T-E, Dog. So if you are a dog groomer by profession or maybe you are a dog groomer as a hobby, I think you should look into trying out for the show. What you need to do is go to this website. It's dogs, D-O-G-S, dot castingcrane.com. That's dogs, D-O-G-S, 
dot casting c-r-a-n-e dot com there's a short little application form there it has all of the information on what you need to do and hopefully you might get called now keep in mind with these auditions that we read to you guys uh the initial step is to uh, you know fill out the forms or email and what they are doing is that they're doing video tryouts first zoom skype facetime whatever and if you make it past the the video portion if you are invited to go in for a live interview Everybody will be COVID-19 compliant, so health and safety first at hand. So if you're called to go in live, remember that. COVID-19 safety precautions are in place. Okay, audition number two. I love this one. If you live in the Los Angeles area or maybe you are planning a trip to go to the Los Angeles area, because as we know, L.A. people come here and Vegas people go there. We just kind of got that exchange going on, and we love it that way. So if you're going to the L.A. area anytime soon, guess what? The Price is Right is holding casting. Yeah! Our favorite long-running television game show, The Price is Right. Come on down with George Gray and our guy, Drew Carey. So if you want to try out to see if you can get cast as a contestant, what you need to do is go to this website, priceisrightcasting.com. That's priceisrightcasting.com. Look at all of the information, fill out what you need to do, and who knows, George Gray might invite you to come on down, of course if the price is right. And guess what? You might get to play Plinko. That's my favorite Price is Right game. Plinko, Plinko, Plinko. Uh, so, okay. That's what you need to do with that. And you got your first audition, so we're going to shut it down for this segment, and we'll be back shortly, in a few seconds, actually, with more of Film Festival Radio right after this. Film Festival Radio with Janice Malone will be right back after this. Okay, we are back with more of Film Festival Radio Show with me, Janice Malone, here, and it's time for our first guest. Um, the late Dr. Carl Sagan, back in 1980, Dr. Sagan and his wife, Anne uh, Druyan, uh, co-wrote what would become the most iconic science-based television series in history, along with one of the top-selling science books of all time, Cosmos. And if you love science, like me, and I know there are millions of you out there that do, uh, Cosmos, the book, sold more than 40 million copies worldwide. It spent a year on the New York Times bestseller list and is considered by the Library of Congress to be one of the 88 books that shaped America. What an honor that must be. Well, 40 years later, uh, the long-awaited sequel to Cosmos is Cosmos Possible Worlds that just came out last month, just about uh, what, a week or so ago. And this book uh, picks up where the last Cosmos book and television series leaves off or left off. And uh, Dr. Sagan's wife, um, 
Andrian is the author of Cosmos Possible Worlds. She's continuing on 40 years later with the work that she and her husband began back in 1980. And not only is Cosmos Possible Worlds the book out, but it also has a companion television series as well, just like the original book. The third season of the TV series Cosmos Possible Worlds airs on the Fox Network and is hosted by Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson. And the new season just premiered about a week, week and a half ago. So I am so delighted and so honored to have the opportunity to chat with Andrean about her latest book and the television show, Cosmos Possible Worlds. So let's bring her line up and let's talk with her right now to get even more details about what's in this book. And for those of you who are already fans of the show, like me, you kind of sort of know, but there are some details within the book that is not quite on the television show. So let's bring Anne on right now and get more details about Cosmos, Possible Worlds, the new book, and the third season of the television series by the same name. Here, I thought I was rolling. Let's start over here. I just want to say, first of all, what an honor it is, and to chat with you, uh, you and your husband, Dr. Carl Sagan, your work is just, it's just a, a legacy for the world, especially for us here in America. So thank you for this opportunity. Well, it's my pleasure and honor to be talking with you. I'm thanking you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're so kind. You are just so kind. Well, let's jump right in here. Um, you and your husband, Dr. Carl Sagan, uh, you, you guys wrote this mega powerhouse of a book, Cosmos, um, 40 million copies worldwide, New York Times bestseller, of course. And what is it like out of all the accolades that you've received, what is it like to have Cosmos, the original book, listed by the Library of Congress as one of the 88 books that shaped America. What must that be like? It is overwhelming. I I so deeply respect the Library of Congress and the company that Cosmos is in. When you think that Benjamin Franklin and um, so, you know, Moby Dick, uh, and uh, so many of the greatest works of American literature, to know that Cosmos is in that group is just, uh, it, I, I really, I, I, all I can tell you is that every time I think of that, it gives me a new thrill and a new sense of my great good fortune to have worked with Carl Sagan, to have built a family with him, to have fought with him and learned from him has been the signal honor of my whole life. Oh, my goodness. How, yes, and what an honor it is for all of us who are sci-fi fans and astronomy topic fans. We just love the work that you guys have put together. So now, uh, here we are, 40 years later, the long-awaited sequel, uh, Cosmos Possible Worlds. And I know fans around the world have just been holding their breath for 40 years. So what can we expect? <laughs> What's in the new book that we can expect? Well, the new book is very much like the original Cosmos in one respect. And that is that it is, we are 
trying for the widest, broadest possible public to convey of nature and the universe revealed by science. We are telling stories of people we've never probably encountered before who nonetheless made final contributions to our understanding of nature. And we are envisioning a great future. It's not too late. I know many of us feel that we just blew it uh, in terms of the earth. But I don't think so. I think there's reason for hope. And so every page of Cosmos is my effort at presenting the evidence that we have what it takes to change course now. We have what it takes to secure a magnificent future for our children and grandchildren. If we act wisely, informed by science, and immediately. And so, possible world will take you to the planets about the stars. It will take you into the future. It will take you into the near future, to the 2039 New York World Fair. But most of all, it will give you a sweeping panorama of the scientific and cosmic perspective of where we are and when we are and even who we are. Now, um, I understand that one of those unsung heroes is um, a scientist. Or was he, I don't know if he's a scientist, but he sent this letter that was like 50 years into the future uh, um, that the Apollo mission took notes from or something to that nature. Straighten me out on that. Tell me about that. Oh, this is a wonderful story of the man who is more responsible for the space age than any other. His name was Yuri Kondratayuk, and he was from the Ukraine at the turn of the 20th century. He was an engineer who had an epiphany when uh, he was a soldier in, in a trench in the First World War of a practical means of getting to the moon. And so he wrote this beautiful book, and he addressed it. The opening words are, to you who will mount the first mission to the moon, be not afraid. There are no theoretical obstacles to accomplishing this. And he envisioned at a time before, you know, because 40 years before Sputnik, the first object ever to, man-made object ever to leave the Earth. But in, in, the, in, in the depths of the First World War, he envisioned a rocket that would bring a lunar orbiter to the moon containing three astronauts, one of whom would stay in the orbiter while the other two took the lunar lander to the surface of the moon and then safely lifted off afterwards to return to the orbiter and then to return to Earth. Now, this is so critical, so important, because in the 1960s, the Apollo engineers and scientists were struggling to, to launch a massive rocket from the Earth to land on the Moon, and then to have a station take off again from the Moon and land on the Earth. It, it really couldn't be done at that time. And the only, the only break in the logjam was when two scientists brought uh, 
Schroeder's manuscript to the Apollo engineers, and they suddenly realized how it could be done. By the way, Peter Pius is also the first person to realize that a spacecraft could utilize a gravitational assist by swinging by a massive planet like Jupiter, and that the gravitational assist would enable us swing from world to world as our ancestors once did from tree to tree. And so if you, you know, if we give Kudrataya his rightful place in the history of exploration, neither the Voyager mission, or which is an interstellar mission, or the other great missions of exploration, none of them, the same reason would have been possible without Kudrataya. So one of the joys of writing this book is to repay that debt to this man who was left in obscurity for all this time. By the way, there were skeptics about the story, but I know it's true because the great Neil Armstrong, upon returning from Egypt, made a pilgrimage to Kondratayuk's very humble cottage in the Ukraine. It was his way of repaying the great debt that we all owe forgotten man. Oh, my goodness. What a wonderful thing to do um, and to just have it verified, you know, by the great Neil Armstrong himself. That's, that's just wonderful for you to do that. And along with the rest of the information, the people that you are honoring uh, within the book. And, well, as I said earlier, for us uh, sci-fi people, fans out here, this is the kind of information that I can just listen to all day. <laughs> So, okay, tell me, in, in addition to having the, your, your new book out, I understand that it is a companion book to your television series on Fox, and season three just started this week, Cosmos Possible World, uh, Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson, of course, is the host, but so what can we expect from season three of the television show? Well, I hope the season three will transport you to the other world of, of, of the galaxy and other galaxies, to, uh, to the distant past, to the lost civilizations that we know so little about, but once existed and flourished and were, were as confident as, as we have been. Uh, it's also about the possible world on this planet what we can do, how we can use science and high technology with wisdom and foresight to get out of the ditch that we find ourselves in. You know, there's um, there's so much that can be done if we just if we just awaken from the kind of sleepwalking we've been in for so long. You know, the climate scientists and Carl Sagan among them warned we warned in the original cosmos in nineteen eighty of the climate catastrophe that was coming if we didn't change our ways. Well, I feel that more people than ever around the world, and remember that Cosmos, the book, and the series are in 180 countries. Um, I think that more people around the world are awakening to the challenge that we have to meet now. And what we're so lucky, because unlike 40 years ago, we have the capacity 
other beautiful life. And we have a way to reach each other that we never had before. And so I feel a sense of excitement about the future. One of the highlights of the series, and I hope it was, is a trip to the 2039 World Fair, where all of our problems haven't been solved. But so many of the ones that we think of as being intractable and insoluble have. And it makes possible an experience of so many wonders and so much joy. And so I really am hoping that Cosmos will excite people to read, to do, to teach science, but also to, to work for the kind of future our kids deserve. And I have one final question here. I was wondering, have you ever personally or your husband, uh, Dr. Sagan, have, did you guys ever see a UFO yourself? No, I haven't personally, and I don't think Carl did. But he was, remember, he was part of the original Condon Report, which was the first investigation of whether or not UFOs were real. Now, Carl, you know, and just maybe a handful of other scientists, really made the search for extraterrestrial intelligence and life a respectable scientific pursuit until they came along. It was career suicide. So here was a person who, with all of his heart and soul, wanted to wanted to be convinced that we had been visited or that the UFOs that he examined, I mean, scores of them, that there was something to that. Now, unfortunately, he never found anything that was compelling. But that's not to say that never happened. We can't know that because, for one thing, we've only been able to receive radio signals for a mere 150 years. That's nothing. Four and a half, five dozen years previous to that, anyone could have been bombarding us with radio signals or visiting, and we wouldn't have known and noticed. So, you know, I think the important thing is to keep an open mind but to use the rigor, the error-correcting mechanism of science to find out what's real and what's not. Well, I hope one day I have an experience of actually seeing a UFO. Every time I get on an airplane, I'm like, oh, I hope I can see something. But <laughs> <laughs> That would be great. That would be great. Well, and again, thank you so much for the work that you've done. The book, again, the Finally, 40 years that is here, Cosmos, Plausible World, the television show, of course, uh, season three just premiered this week, and the book is out right now. So thank you again so much, and I loved watching, because this is right down my alley and up my street. I love this topic, and I'll definitely be continuing to watch the show and read the book as well. So thank you again for being my guest. My thanks to you, Janice. What a pleasure. Okay, thank you. Take care. Have a great, wonderful weekend. Thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, thank you, Scott Pryor. Uh, The movie, again, is Tulsa, just like the city. And you can get more details about where to see it in this area. Go to TulsaTheMovie.com or whatever city you live in because we, as we all know, stream 
live across the nation. So the best thing to do, go to the website, TulsaTheMovie.com to get exactly what theaters in your city where you can see the film. It is so worthwhile. You will just, it will just tug at your heart, especially that little Livy Birch. She is so talented. Just um, kind of reminds you uh, her talents of uh, Jodie Foster when Jodie was a little child actor and how good she was. So, yeah, that's what we're doing. And look how multi-talented. Livy also, as Scott and I were saying, she wrote, uh, co-wrote, I believe, one of the songs on the soundtrack of the film. So she's got a very strong future ahead of her. So, okay, we are out of time. Thank you guys for listening. As always, I love meeting up with you every Saturday here from 3 to 4 o'clock. So thank you for sharing an hour of your time with us. We really do appreciate it. And we appreciate all of these celebrities uh, that come our way for sharing their time with their movies and books and television shows and music and whatever all that they do. Uh, It's a lot of effort in putting these types of shows together, and we thank everybody who works with us on doing so. And you know something? We're going to do it all again next Saturday, so you make it a safe and healthy rest of this weekend and next week. And let's watch Saturday Night Live tonight so we can laugh. So uh, we'll see you guys next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another edition of Film Festival Radio with your host, Janice Malone. Be sure to download this and other episodes at filmfestivalradio.com.